Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. Thank you uh, for just being worshipers, people who very willingly receive God's work and, and, and word in your life. And uh, very, very excited about that, that you guys are so sensitive to God. I mean, and, and I was listening to the worship and just enjoying listening to you sing and worship God. And it's, it's amazing. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to do one thing with me real quick. And that is, let's pray for Israel. Let's pray for Israel. If you're not aware already, um, war has started and Israel is at war with Hamas. Uh, There's a lot of implications in the world and all those kinds of things. But most importantly, the people of Israel need our prayers today. And so let's ask God to be with them. Father, I pray that you would be involved in this situation. God, that uh, over the history of mankind, you have set up a nation of people that you care about and deeply are involved with. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you give all the leaders of Israel wisdom and understanding and, and <clears throat> restraint when restraint is needed and, and uh, <clears throat> resolve when resolve is needed. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would affect every heart that's involved from on both sides of that battle. Lord, that in the name of Jesus, somehow, some way, you would become the pinnacle of the focus of that uh, circumstance, that you would be the evidence of power and glory and love and grace and mercy in the name of Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to Israel today, and we thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to encourage you again, just like Josh just did, uh, the, the She Laughs uh, event is going to be a very fun event, and laughing is what you will do. There's a great comedian coming, and she is going to be fantastic, and so I encourage you to, to be a part of that. Um, <clears throat> we're in this series called Why, and we talked about why there's pain, why uh, <clears throat> shouldn't we worry, why shouldn't we be stressed out and full of anxiety, because God's in control. And last week, I think Josh and Taylor did an excellent job of um, talking about why kids are so important. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably, it might sound, I'm more critical of my kids than I would be of somebody else. And I, I just think they did a great job. It gave me hope for the future of the church. And I'm not saying they are necessarily the future of the church. They are. But um, it's the, the young person, the young adult that, that they rep- represent is, um, it, it's exciting. We have a lot of young adults in our church that are, are getting involved and putting their heart and soul into ministry, and I'm excited about telling you a little bit more about that in the future, but I'm so excited about that. I also want to invite you to be a part of the Ripped series, the Ripped series, uh, <clears throat> practices that make us stronger in our faith, that make us ripped spiritually. And if you ever had a dream to be ripped physically, at least go there spiritually, okay? At least go there spiritually, all right, there are people in the room that are ripped, but uh, and now I'm not one of them. But uh, there, and, and I get that it takes discipline. It th- there's one thing that creates a champion. One thing, and if you, you'll hear this from all motivational speakers, it's consistency. One thing that makes someone great 
And it's all the great people learn it, all the great people, all of the, the, the people that rise to high levels of, of all kinds of quality and performance and, and all those kinds of things, and that is consistency. And so we will take some, some of these weeks, in, in the next 10 weeks actually, and go over what makes us strong spiritually, and we are all going to come out buff. Okay? So I'm super excited about that. Today, we're going to answer the question, why hell? Why is there a hell? Why, why does hell exist? And uh, I realize that uh, that word has become kind of the, the light cussing word, if you will. You know, what the blank, no. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't give a, no, that's not it. But um, <clears throat> you can tell I don't use that word very often. But um, <clears throat> I, I think it, it's interesting when we understand that there is a literal hell that it changes our perspective of life. I think we can be, accept the fact that there is a literal heaven. We like the idea of heaven. All of us get excited. Oh, that sounds good. Golden streets, pearly gates, mansions on a hilltop, all those kinds of things. And then we go, oh, and then there's a hell. How can that be? How can that be? And I, I've kind of imagined in my own heart what hell might be like. I don't know about you if you've ever spent any time thinking about what would hell be? What would it look like, especially for me personally? Okay, I don't know if you've imagined that. Maybe you've imagined the worst of the worst. But for me, it would be this. It would be a flooded Chuck E. Cheese filled with dentists and pit bulls. (laughs) That would be hell to me. Okay? That would be hell. It would be a flooded Chuck E. Cheese because the flooded part is because I just am claustrophobic to the nth degree. I don't like water. I don't like being in water. I don't like showering. But I do. My, my, that's one, another reason for the haircut is just because I don't like being under the water very long. But um, <clears throat> it, it's one of those things. And then the Chuck E. Cheese things, I'll leave that in your imagination. <clears throat> Filled with dentists. I, I, I just, I have the hardest time going to the dentist. It makes me so anxious. I get freaked out. I, I don't like the dentist. And, the, and it's not, if you're a dentist, God bless you. I admire that you hang out in, in everybody's mouth. But, um, and then pit bulls. I've told that story before, but I was attacked by six of them. I'm deathly afraid of pit bulls. And, uh, and that would be my hell. A flooded Chuck E. Cheese with Dennis and Pitbulls. You can imagine for yourself, what would your hell be? All of us kind of have that experience of our worst of worst things. And uh, I know your, your minds are going like, I see the smoke rising right now. <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> hell is far worse than that. Hell is far worse than a flooded Chuck E. Cheese filled with Dennis and Pitbulls. Uh, I was part of a church one time that went through a very, very difficult time. And, and, and uh, we went through that, and a lot of us staff members would look at each other and try and give each other hope and say, it beats hell. Beats hell. I mean, this, this isn't hell, so we're, we're better off, <laughs> you know, and, and it's a tough time. The things that you're going through beats hell. Whether, no matter how bad it is, no matter how tough life is right now, no matter difficult things that you're going through, it beats hell. Because hell is an unimaginable 
place that, that I can't put my, wrap my mind around it. And, and the words that are used in Scripture really don't give us this clean, clear picture of hell other than it's a bad place. It's a bad place. I think too often we take for granted the, that we have God's love and that God loves us. We take his grace and mercy, the undeserved blessings that we get and the, and the, the mercy, the, 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 the grace that we get or the mercy that we're shown to not get what we do deserve. I think sometimes we take those things for granted. We take for granted that there's a heaven and we choose to kind of ignore the fact that hell exists. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is just. And sometimes we just want to categorize his justice for only the really bad people. Only the ugliest of the ugly people that we can imagine, the murderers and the, the, the child abusers and those kinds of people. And we put them in our category of, that, that's, that's, God is just for them, but not just for me. What do we do with that? There was a man who was telling his grandson and his argument against the Bible, declaring, I'm 70 years of age and have never seen such a place as hell. After all that has been said about it, his little grandson, about seven years of age, who had been listening, asked him, Pop, have you ever been dead yet? It's a really good question. Little, a grandfather who doesn't believe in hell, but his little grandson, seven years of age, says, Pop, have you ever been dead yet? Because really we don't know what, even heaven, heaven or hell, it, it, as we live on this planet and as we take in air and we take in nourishment, there's a concept of heaven and a concept of hell that we cannot grasp. And I get that. I get that. So today as we experience what the explanation of what scripture kind of describes as hell. We're not going to get into the depths of detail. We're just going to try and keep it as simple as possible. Is that okay? And the reason for why we're talking about hell and what I feel the Lord has said is that there's a, a motivator. Some people are motivated by only the positive and other people are motivated by that there is a negative. And I don't want to be a part of the negative. And so I'm going to avoid the negative. I'm going to do everything I can to not go there. I don't want to get to heaven and they hit the down button on the elevator. Right? Let me help you. Funk. Down button. That would not be good. And this scripture that I'm going to read to you tells us that there's going to be some people who are surprised. Who are shocked. Who are like indignant. What? I thought I made it. tough. Why do, we, why do we believe in a literal hell? Because I believe, simply said, Jesus said there is. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. In Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, you have your, your electronic Bible, whatever you're using, or you can just read it on the screen, here we go. Matthew 25 verse 31, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, I love that because he is coming. <laughs> and there's no need to fear this. There's no need to fear that Jesus is coming unless and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious, glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people 
from one another. So it's not separating the nations. It's separating the people, individuals from one another. As a shepherd separates, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And so <clears throat> Jesus is coming. We can celebrate that. We can get excited about it. And then <clears throat> we understand that there will be a day where he separates the sheep from the goats. The right is a place of honor. The left is a place of humiliation or uh, degradation of uh, position. And so we understand what Jesus is beginning to illustrate when he comes back. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed, be my, uh, by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in, the, in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and, and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? It's a very interesting passage of Scripture and something that are unique here. And we'll get to, to hell in a moment. I, I'm sure you're not in a hurry. But this is the positive side. This is the, the, the glorious side. This is the amazing side for people who were faithful in being like Jesus to others. And he said this, he said, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is the beautiful part of it. Every one of us has a place prepared for us and prepared for us before the world began. You and me were in God's thoughts. You and me were in God's plan and purpose and intention he loves us. He cares for us. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be fulfilled and be part of this inheritance that he has planned for us from the beginning. Amen. It's a beautiful part of, of all of, uh, all of uh, history is that we can understand that, that we are a part of the plan that God has, has for us. Another part of this is unique. I call it secret, <coughs> secret service or serving secretly. It's a unique picture. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And Jesus has already acknowledged, the king has already acknowledged that you guys did all these things. Didn't even know that you were doing them. Why? Because you were simply dedicated to fulfilling the will of the Lord. That th these people are, are like Jesus. They're the hands and the feet of Jesus. It's a natural expression of their faith. It's a natural expression of being a disciple of, of Christ is that I will do whatever Jesus asked me to do and I don't think twice about it. And I don't brag about it. I don't tell everybody about it. I just serve the Lord. I think this is critical to our faith and understanding that we don't work our way to salvation, but our salvation causes us to work. Do you hear that? We don't work to our salvation. There's nothing you can do to pay for it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. 
The only thing we can do is out of our salvation comes this desire to be like Jesus. And the more we learn about him, the more we try and be like him. That's why one of our strategy statements says this, that we model our life and <clears throat> that we model our li- the, the life and likeness of Jesus in our lives. Our goal is to be like him. And the more we're like him, the more we're like these people. Because Jesus naturally served the needs of people. He said, I came to serve, not to be served. He was the one who told us that we need to follow his example of servanthood. That we need to serve those around us. Love people, love God. Those are the two greatest commandments that we could follow. And if we do that, then we fall into this category of sheep rather than goats. But the, the, the interesting question is, when did we do these things? And, and God, God is like, you did them. It's because it's your nature. The nature of Christ is living in you. And when you do those things, that just puts you in the sheep category. In verse 40, it says, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We're not to categorize the least of everyone. It's simply serve people, and you will be serving the least of them. Whoever God puts in front of you, whoever God puts in, in, in front of your, your, your uh, life, your opportunities, whatever opportunity there is to serve, do it in the name of the Lord. Let it become a natural part of your life that my life represents the likeness of Christ, and that is to serve the needs of others. I say this often, I say it to students that I teach, that you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving the needs of people. And those are the sheep. Those are the sheep. There's a place prepared for people who come, become like Jesus. There's a, there's a place prepared. And, and we should be asking, I don't know, when I served Jesus, I know that all I was trying to be was like Jesus. And then when we get up there, he's going to say, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. And it's not earning our way there. It's just simply the evidence of our faith. The evidence of our faith. And the, the nature of sacrificial love. I like what one author said. He said, he is telling us that good things are an evidence of true discipleship and genuine faith. Out of our discipleship, out of our true faith comes serving the needs of people. And when we do that, that's what ministry is. That's what the church is about, is ministering to the needs of people. And that represents the life and likeness of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 41 then goes on to the negative. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, they also will answer, Lord, we, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for me, one of the least of these you did not do for me. Isn't that fascinating? What happened? These people thought that they were doing all the right things, but in reality, they did nothing. 
Why? Because these people became so self-absorbed, so self-focused, so self into everything of their own that they forgot that there was a job to do, that there was a role to become like, and that's to become like Jesus. In, in fact, these guys were probably doing everything for themselves. All of their resources, all of their time, all of the energy in their lives was given to serving themselves rather than the needs of others. Because the only way to miss the needs of others is to only look at yourself. There's needs everywhere. Just today I was, I was approached by two or three people and, and they said, can you pray for me, pastor? And, and praise God. I wasn't walking fast through the... the, the we, we have a, a, a culture statement that says walk slow through the building because if we don't and we're walking to that next task that has to be done, then we're going to miss people. We're going to miss opportunity. We need to slow down. We need to see what's around us. We need to be available. We have to have margin in our space to be able to touch the lives of those around us to meet the needs. And when we don't have that, when we've put ourselves so in debt that we can't give and be a participant in what God wants to do, or we can't, we're so busy and we don't have any time to pay attention to anything but our own stuff, we become a goat. We become a goat. I was going to imitate a goat, but it sounds like a sheep. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> one is baha, one is bah. <laughs> one author says this, only sins of omission are mentioned here. If, you, if you, you understand the difference between sin of commission and sin of omission, omission is leaving things out or not doing the right things, and commission is doing the wrong things. And right here, it's only listed of things that we didn't do, that we should have done. And it says only sins of omission are mentioned here, showing that the absence of good works, the destitution of love, or the dominion of selfishness disqualifies man from, for blessedness and is sufficient, even without positive crimes, to exclude him from heaven. When we don't do the things that God has called us to do, we are leaving out the very nature of Christ. We aren't following the will of God. There's a key passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 7. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We can think we're in the right place, but if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, if it's all about us, God has nothing to do with it. Because Jesus was all about serving the needs of people, making himself a servant, becoming a servant even unto death, Philippians 2 says. And so it's imperative that we understand that we can say, Lord, Lord, all we want. We can be here in this church and we can have a Sunday experience and Monday forget about Jesus. Everything needs to encompass our lives about being like Jesus. We have to be self sacrificing we have to be sacrificial in everything that we do and say because why because that's who jesus is i know it's challenging it's kind of in our face it's it's one of those tough messages and i was like really god you want me to talk about hell 
In verse 46 of that same passage in Matthew, it says this, Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There's good and bad news in that last scripture there. They will go away to eternal punishment, hell. They will go away to a place where they will experience punishment. And I don't understand this. I have a hard time comprehending how God could, the God-loving, gracious, amazing God could send anyone to that place. But at this point, whoever goes there has rejected God. Because this place was not intended ever to be for humanity. It says in the very first part of this passage, in verse 41, it says, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never a place intended for humanity. And I really do believe that because God is just, whoever ends up there deserves to go there. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So there's two different perspectives. We work to get to hell and we are gifted to get to heaven. That's a blessing. Let's not work so hard going the other way. Let's receive that gift of grace and mercy. Let's do everything we can to please the one who's given his life for our lives so that we can help everybody else that we possibly could reach with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That God loves us, that he's forgiven us of our sin and that he is prepared to take us into heaven. That's the hope. That's the joy. That's the desire that we have. Not to just say, Lord, Lord, and have some kind of religious experience, but to say, Lord, Lord, and mean it. And do whatever he calls us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you ready to obey God? Are you ready to, to let the fruit of your faith work itself out? And do something crazy and radical for God? Skipping down to what do we do with this message? What do we do with this message? In Jude chapter 17, or in Jude first, uh, verse 17, it says this. But dear friends, remember... What the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, building, <clears throat> by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love <clears throat> as you wait for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. It's a really interesting passage of Scripture. But basically what it's saying is this. And as life comes to an end, understand that we have a duty, first, to build ourselves up. Commit to growth. Commit to growing in our faith. Commit to understanding who Jesus is. Commit to discipleship. Learning about Jesus, becoming more like him every single day. And as we do, then we are to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide our prayers. If you have a prayer language, pray in that prayer language. But pray in the Spirit and pray that that God guides our, 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 our faith. Another way to pray in the Spirit is to pray the Bible. 
and be led by the, the words of Scripture as we pray in the Spirit. And then it says, keep yourself in God's love. And that simply means to live it out. Don't just go, oh God, and have this ooey-gooey love relationship with God. But it's a love relationship that motivates us to go out and share that love. I, I, you, you, you'll probably expect this, me to say this, but man, if I find a good restaurant, I'm telling everybody about it. When I found the Savior of my soul who died for me, I'm going to tell everybody about it. Come on. I pray that I don't talk about food more than I talk about Jesus. I pray that I don't talk about the Seahawks more than I talk about Jesus. I pray that I don't talk about my grandkids more than I talk about Jesus. Why? Because none of those things have saved my soul. And I think it's critical that we understand that we need to keep ourselves in God's love and continue to focus on it like Josh did with, with communion. We need to remember what Jesus has done for us. And let's remember that we win. Revelations 20 says this, When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. And to, the, and, to, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. In other words, Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. The enemies of God will not be victorious. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever we win. The enemy loses. The devil will not reign. Whatever power the devil has now, he will lose then. And he will understand, and he has not yet experienced the ferocity of his judgment. And today, we don't have to either. We don't have to either. We have to be committed to understanding that our role, our life, must be consumed by Jesus. I'm not sure why you're here today. I know there are many in this room, personal relationships. I know you're fully committed to following Jesus. Maybe you're here because you're feeling guilty about your religious commitment to, to being a churchgoer. No. I want you to be a Jesus follower. I want you to be a Jesus follower, one who's walking like a sheep following the shepherd, going wherever that shepherd says to go, drinking from wherever that... Shepherd says to drink from it, eating the grass, that wherever that shepherd puts me, I want to be where he is. Because that is the day. I don't want to be found being a goat. I want to be found being a sheep who's following Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul. What do we do with this message? Where do we go from here? We must know that Jesus must be served. We must do everything we can to put ourselves in a position to be a servant and a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? We must do everything to... It, this isn't about staying out of hell. It's about staying in the will of God and doing everything we can to follow Him. Commit to becoming like Jesus. If you're here today and you're not committed to being like Jesus, you may have a relationship or a religion. You may, you may be saying, I have Lord, Lord, but you're not following Him. 
You're just having a religious experience. Unfortunately, that puts you in the goat category. I'm not the judge, praise God. But I'm just preaching what the word is describing here. And I don't want to be Lord, Lord. I want to be a Lord follower. I want, to become, I want to be a sheep. I want to commit to discipleship. And it's a process. It's a commitment. It's an inconvenience that we have to stop doing something in our life to give ourselves time to go learn what it means to be like Jesus. That means being in a group. That means being in a Bible study. That means being a part of whatever it's going to take. To, it means committing to fellowship and relationship with others. It means commit to serving others. If you're not serving today, you're not becoming like Jesus. Just put it out there. This doesn't say uh, uh, that we are, are to uh, be you know, quiet in our rooms and reading our Bibles. Not to say that you shouldn't be doing that. It's part of the process of becoming like Jesus, but it means we have to be out of our our house doing something to meet the needs of others. Amen? Amen? And lastly, we need to commit to a life guided by God. A life guided by God. Continuing to keep God's love in our heart. And when we do that, we will be sheep. And we will be counted as sheep on that day when that judgment takes place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I, like you, <clears throat> find times in my life where I, I just want to make it all about me. I just want to do my thing. I want it to be all about me. I want the, I want the attention on me. I want the, I want the freedom to be about me. I want to do my own thing. There are days, sometimes there's weeks, where I just struggle with that because I just, what, what about me, God? You will never, ever regret being in God's will. It's tiring. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's hard because people don't love Jesus. There are people that don't love Jesus and would, would, would reject you, set you aside. There might be friendships that you have that will say, what are you doing? Why are you giving your, your time and your energy to God? And you have to Put that aside and say, no matter what, I'm going to follow him. No matter what, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And today, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging all of us, myself included, with this passage of Scripture that says, I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to think I'm serving. I want to know I'm serving. I want to be in the middle of God's will. I want to do whatever it takes. And sometimes that means that we have to get in our prayer closet and repent of the selfishness, of the self-centeredness, of the self-absorption that we've had and become a selfless person. So I'm asking today, the altar is not here at these, these wooden altars, but they are in your next day of living. What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do this afternoon to be like Jesus? What are you going to do to learn to be like him? What are you going to do to to give everything to him and be all consumed by him and his glory? Father, we come today and we just lay our lives before you. 
we lay our lives before you and say, God, I pray that you would just guide and direct my life. I'm willing to give up whatever you want me to give up. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to learn whatever you want me to learn so that I can be counted as a sheep. Not because of my fear of hell, but because of my desire to be in your graces, in your love, in your place, in your will. Hell has, is not going to be a part of our lives. Lord, we want to, to be with you forever. And we thank you for the promise of that. We thank you for the work you did on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection from the dead that promises us eternal life. And God, we embrace that and commit to follow you for the rest of our lives. Lord, as you speak to us today as a church, may we be obedient to your word. May we know without question that you are the one who's leading and guiding us. And I thank you and I praise you for that. For every heart in this room, Lord, I thank you that you've softened hearts, you're tenderizing spirits, you're tenderizing our lives so that we can follow you willingly, not, not being pulled or tugged, which you don't do, but we are willingly following you. And we will do all that you've called us to do. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with him, but you want one. You're ready to say yes to Jesus because you want to be a sheep. You don't want to be a goat. And if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, simply said, all you have to say is a small prayer. You can repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I have committed sins against you. And I want to ask for forgiveness today. And I want to repent from those sins. I want to turn my life around, away from those sins, and walk to you. And commit to being a disciple of Jesus, a follower, a student of Jesus. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And on the third day after you died, you came back to life, promising me eternal life. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I thank you for that. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.